Hello, and welcome to Resolve, an after-play show. This is an after-show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you all the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. Hi, I'm Sammy, I'll be your host, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Asiri Omoli, the Hope of the Abyss. Joining me is my wonderful co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex, I play the Malboro Juice and his mule companions, the Smogs. All of us use he, him pronouns. We are joined today by Dee! Hi, I'm Dee. I play Geyser, who is now officially, for real this time, the Solutions Clown. Uh, Geyser uses she, her pronouns, and you can use whatever pronouns for me as long as they're not it. We are also joined today by Daniel! Hi, I'm Daniel. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the Game Master for this campaign. Welcome, thank you for joining us today. Now that we're all here, Alex, why don't you tell us about the actual play? Previously, in a feat, with Powder at her side, Isiri gets the harpoon removed from her tail. Smog helps Pony develop a translation spell. Geyser gets a mirror with a note from the Master of the Lost. It reflects Jilly instead of herself. Smog, Pony, and Geyser pay a visit to the Captain and Aura. Aura explains that they can develop world travel communications from recovered governance tech. Geyser explains the attack in the world of motion and passes along the Harvest Man. Smog secures a new position, assisting Powder, while the other versions of Smog continue to assist with world travel efforts. World Core travels to the world of the lost. The Master helps Geyser process her realization, let go of her inverse connection to Jilly, and come into a new form. Pony and Geyser return to Sequence Charter. Juice, Smog, Valentine, and Tao play Blitzball while Siri manipulates the arena. Tao theorizes that the governance is traveling through a world like their own, or the world of the lost, and that it may be connected to the blown-out portal. Smog tells Valentine that their new home with Susie and Pa has been secured. Pony returns to the world of motion to test her translator with Glory Mane. Geyser apologizes to Sierra and checks in on the state of the moon and tides. Tao speaks with Aura about their pet theory and reviews Smog's world of the lost footage with them. Isiri runs into Thompson for speaking with Terra about the abyss and Earth. you've heard the actual play let's do a deep dive into the session and Dee was just talking about about how meaty the session was and i couldn't agree more <laughs> <laughs> this session was a lot meatier compared to last session where we spent a lot of time in combat i've noticed every time we do combat scenes it takes a while to complete but this we had like a lot of substantial narrative production for many characters yeah zach and i were talking a little bit about this and it's like yeah the big plot points didn't move forward but there were a ton of scenes that were moving ahead everyone's little personal goals we have so many interests (laughs) so many little errands to run the visits back into the hub world have manifested as opportunities to have everyone breach some of these topics that have been on their mind And that advances their own character's progress. It makes sense, because it's the touchstone that we all have for the game. Up until recently, it was relatively stable, so a safe place to do so. It's a good place to reconvene, especially after the large amount of combat we had last time. I think everyone needed like a mental cooldown. It is also literally late in the night, so part of this ends up being, we go to the World of the Lost when we're asleep, so this is a rest. Yeah. In a very literal sense. (laughs) 
we started the quick scene with Asiri getting her harpoon removed. Not much to talk about here. It was just some cute banter between Powder and Asiri. I always enjoy playing off of Powder. I just enjoy her personality. <laughs> Powder's a fun one. But the procedure's a success, so we jump over to Geyser, Smug, and Pony on their way to visit the captain and return with information about the conflict we just left. Pony strikes up conversation about misunderstanding Glory Mane and trying to solve that solution and looks to Smog for some translation help. Smog is surprised. All right, these are names that I should remember. I did not just have this conversation with you in this other world. That was a very long time ago for me. But does get back there and help Pony develop the spell that I tried to rationalize as when you use Libra, information showing up in the bestiary. So like Pokedex scanning someone, something like that, as a bridge to getting to translator on phone. Smog, kind of no matter the timeline, is very much about infusing what would normally be a magical spell into some kind of tech to augment its accessibility. Yeah, it's something that I baked into the background of the Moogles, and it's something that Smog is adept with. It now has tendrils in other characters. It makes sense to keep on that theme. As Smog and Pony have that conversation... Geyser sees something fall in the hallway and hears it clatter. It turns out to be a hand mirror. This was part of the setup for Geyser's playbook change. One of the things that we're talking about is maybe something coming up where it's like, all right, I need to go talk to the master for some reason. The master already wants to speak with Geyser. They had not spoken to each other at all at this point. The way the master sort of communicates with people from the outside of the world of the lost is through the presentation of objects that represent something that the person who that object is delivered to is without. I asked for Dee's input on what type of concept might that represent. We came to the conclusion that it would probably be something related to Geyser's own identity. So it came down in the form of a mirror. I wanted to meet with the master anyway. Because Geyser has a lot of questions about everything. Also, setting up the playbook chains. Geyser also wanted to meet with Terra, so it was convenient to have all of this happen at one time. Very efficient. I wasn't expecting like the mirror itself or it reflecting Jilly. Meanwhile, Smog and Pony cannot see this at all. It is an object bespoke from the World of the Lost that is intended for Geyser. Pony interrogates this a lot immediately, and Smog takes out his dice that are from the World of the Lost. They still doesn't really know what to do with, and they're just blazing. They're blazing, and they're showing him <laughs> this stone wall, and apparently Geyser and Pony can see it, but he puts them back, and it's like, yeah, it's probably some World of the Lost shit. <laughs> <laughs> These fucking dice, man. <laughs> Geyser's like, you're on fire. You're <laughs> <laughs> looking pretty hot, Smog. Oh my god. It's a funny situation looking back at it. I was just checking the rads, okay? (laughs) Are you? (laughs) I found these in the World of the Lost, but they're still here with me now, and everyone can apparently see them, but we can't see this mirror. Try to figure out both at once. Geyser doesn't really communicate this with either Pony or Smog. (laughs) She is seeing Jilly in the mirror, but she says 
the person who sent me this knew me before because nobody knows who Chili is. I really need Smog to just meet these dice down the hallway. I don't think that would happen, <laughs> but I need it to happen. They're dice, they're on fire, and now they're displaying vi- visages of other images. I'm scared, but also intrigued. <laughs> Take a chance, roll the dice. Literally, please. I don't think the Smog would do that because they're too calculating, but... <laughs> <laughs> risk aversion very built into this version of the character yes understandable <laughs> considering everything that happened to them <laughs> smog does not need more things to happen to him. i think he's at his fill but these are from the world of the lost they were taken from the world of the lost without exchange we can all see them there's something fucky going on here something i need more exploration into this maybe once you find something in the world of the lost, it's no longer native to the world of the lost. Okay. I know these dice too well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Smog a big craps player back in Final Fantasy Land? Maybe <laughs> playing Triple Triad. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Maybe Smog is a tabletop player. <laughs> <laughs> Smog got his own game of interstitial going on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Geyser decides that it's not best to investigate this right now. They head on in to greet the captain. Who else should be there but Aura and a bunch of guards? Aura is bitter. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aura seems mad about something. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what that could be. Very grumpy. Tara had come back from the encounter by the moon. Dealing with all those governance ships. There's a lot of activity happening in the defensive side of humanity's locations here. Watching it was great because you could just feel the tension is palpable because Terra's all beat up battle weary. Aura's fucking pissed and is just picking away at this machine, muttering under their breath. There's guards in the room. Everyone's confused about the mirror scene that just happened. And then we're explaining <laughs> this combat scene that we just recovered from. Right. All are breaking the news. Geyser's the perfect character for these sorts of situations. Wrong place, wrong time. All the time for Geyser. <laughs> and so everybody's just like on edge. And Geyser's like, yeah, we did some murder and some destruction. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, here's a crab. Can I have it? <laughs> I want this robot crab, please. It's something else that I really love about how I've played Geyser. Very one-track-minded, and I want it, and I want it now. I'm shutting this down. We're moving. I'm here for the crab, man. Me at a buffet. Can't say Asiri and Geyser don't keep their eyes on the prize. You're right. You're so fucking right. I'm actually quite surprised the party's willingness to follow me in, in these. You have to think about who's with you. Smog had a different motive for speaking with Terra. Did not exactly remember what just happened to you in that world. Pony was there mostly to speak with Smog and is not used to taking the lead in a lot of situations. And then your other more upfront party members are gone doing other things. So Geyser mm-hmm. is the only person in that situation who is going to tell Terra what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Time three that Geyser has been tasked with relaying this story. It's always wrong place, wrong time. (laughs) (laughs) 
every time you have people freaking out and guys is just like i'm here <laughs> having tara play off this word vomit essentially was so good because tara's keeping an even keel they're clearly exhausted there's like so much shit going on here this new info dump just gets <laughs> sprung upon them <laughs> She's able to accept a lot of the stuff that Geyser says. She was more so picking out, there are some very important details that Geyser's conveying here. I need to make sure that I have an understanding of the situation with those key details. Not too distracted by <laughs> some of the other stuff. <laughs> There's like some contrast between Tara's reaction to Geyser and Sierra's reaction to Geyser. Tara's very, I'm going to take what I need from this conversation and move that forward, which I think is kind of the same way Geyser operates. And then Sierra is seeing the whole of the conversation and is like, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're both very good Geyser Wranglers in different aspects. (laughs) They complement each other. (laughs) I do try to emphasize the fact that Tara is giving you all quite a lot of independence. There's an agreement that you all made with each other. Tara's trusting you. It's interesting how that interacts with some of the broader impacts to her people. How do we walk that fine line of what ground, what domains everyone covers? Our party, for the most part, has tried to mitigate our impact to the world as much as possible the party itself is very balancing as far as effects go we've been pretty good at like self-policing in general not trying to be assholes guys (laughs) is only accidentally an asshole (laughs) you haven't killed any of the humans on chrysalis yet yes (laughs) on chrysalis why are you saying it like that because he definitely killed a human off Chrysalis. <laughs> Two of them. Speaking of sort of party governance here, Smog takes an opportunity at the end of this conversation to ask Tara about taking a new role on Chrysalis because he does not feel comfortable searching for the world cores himself anymore. Why is that? <laughs> I tried to cram as much explanation as I could into the words here. The Smog has memories of an alternate timeline that don't necessarily work anymore. There are different factors that might not be quite the same. He also does not have as much of a taste for violence as earlier versions of himself. That might be necessary in more time. Uh, <laughs> so he's passing off the torch. Yeah, I think it is important to stipulate that this is Avatar of Alexander Smog, correct? Yes. We're swapping around the timeline a little bit each time we go places. So it is a little confusing, even for me, and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> It also makes things a bit easier narratively for the other players to know who they're dealing with. The smog is at home. <laughs> like, he, he's gone to bed. <laughs> the funniest thing that Alex and I have talked about before is smog and Asiri being some level of divinity now. They don't want to be like the silver bullet for all of humanity or whatever world Saran's problems. So I think that also pays into a lot of the decisions that Smog's thinking about here and now, and also overall as we do other things in each world. It's hilarious because once again, this is something that both of them unintentionally independently <laughs> agree upon. <laughs> Listen, just because we share concepts doesn't mean we share concepts. 
(laughs) (laughs) We go about things in very different ways. One of the things that Smog suggests at the end of this conversation with Terra is instead of doing the World Core stuff, this Smog wants to help Powder with salvaging. I'm very curious to see where that goes, because I have no idea what your thoughts could be with that. My idea is really just like, this is something we can catch up with after after downtime now. That's part of why I didn't want to go speak with Powder afterwards, because I don't think it would be that big of a conversation. Okay. I think it's more interesting to talk about what they're doing together when we come back later. In the same way that I think now we're going to hear this Tao talking about working in the world's travel labs instead of being at the karaoke bar. Mm. Yeah, that's another kind of development that's sort of grown organically is that this Tao is becoming more and more involved with the science of world travel on Chrysalis. They're fundamentally connected to a new world that they created. It's subjective with the existence of Tao. They know about things and they want to learn more about those things. Tao is the character that I have the least familiarity background wise with. All of this stuff coming up feels very natural. Moved on to a connected playbook, and so it makes sense to be interested in how to like travel between worlds and the connection between the worlds. It makes sense for Tao to take on that role because they are in all of these places. It makes sense that you don't have a really strong basis in Tao anymore because each time we go somewhere, it's a different Tao, and we have to relearn who they are and basically reintroduce ourselves each time for the context of the time and place that they're in now. It's kind of a full circle moment because the first interstitial character I played was the Connected. (laughs) I did not play them like the Connected is supposed to be played at all. (laughs) Yeah, Zach and I have both talked about how that was inspiration for us. We're like, we don't want to use this to play entirely different characters. We want to like turn the crystal on these characters a bunch. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say it's also really fun for me and Zach to try to have to play familiar with unfamiliar versions of the characters because we're both connected. We have been spending time together and that's been an interesting challenge, but I think we'll explore it more (laughs) as we get back to the world of motion. World of motion smog is (laughs) hilarious. We're going back to the type of things that I was expecting from smog very early game. I'm here to cause problems, but like (laughs) from the background, (laughs) as opposed to geysers, I'm here to cause problems right now. (laughs) I'm hoping that we can build a a progression. This version of Smog I'm hoping is, yes, I'm pushing you to do strange and interesting things, but I hope this is for your actual growth and not just so you're more powerful. Mm -hmm. Because I think there is something to like telling geyser, make a show. That's not just, I want to see your magic blossom. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I just took it like vaguely a positive self improvement mm-hmm. type thing. If we're speaking about Geyser's growth here, she seems very interested in that as well and asks Smog to send her off to sleep to get to the world of the lost. That was my solution because I had unintentionally backed myself into the corner that Geyser does not sleep because she is not really a being in the way other characters or players are. To get to the world of the lost, you have to go to sleep. And before I asked someone to kick me in the head to to make me go to sleep. That'll do it. This time I just asked Smog to put me to sleep. So we feel the tug that we may or may not give in to. All of the party decides to go along with Geyser, 
but the Tau's world, the smog, who is still there trying to push up the moon with the Knights of the Round, joins instead of the Avatar of Alexander Smog. Because he's tired. It's been <laughs> a day. Holding up the moon. Since we're in sequence, Jota regretted back in the city park that we've seen a couple times in the World of the Lost here. And on the playground, Valentine and the Master have set up a birthday party, and we're all excited, and we're all going to get cool hats. Which is very cute. It's very fitting as well. I'm really shocked that everyone came with... I almost didn't, and that's one of the things I'm going to get to at the end when we talk about things we should have done differently. I I feel like I should have not done that. (laughs) I kind of regret it a little bit, but I'm glad I did go and see, because I think it was important, and that's why I mostly chose to do so. I heard Pony say, hey, I'm not going to leave Geyser alone. Then everyone's like, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Don't you what happened is that Pony wanted to not leave Geyser alone. And then I was like, oh shit, there's a smog that's really tired and just wants to go the fuck to sleep and has a chance to do that instantaneously. And then Zach was like, well, I haven't been in this scene yet, so I should probably get in here. And then you, Sammy, were like, well, fuck, everyone's here. I should probably join. My goal for this session wasn't to split the party anymore. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to follow along. We're in the world of the lost and it. Uh, birthday party geyser just gets right to it like who are you <laughs> like what's happening did you give me this and then the master's like what happened to hi how are you <laughs> <laughs> and geyser's like yeah 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 the bird. <laughs> <laughs> <to> the <laughs> i've been waiting for these two to interact and i'm so happy that it finally happened both of their interactions and reactions to each other make a lot of sense to me. A clear directive and then an <laughs> unclear response that's kind of a riddle. <laughs> the master's inscrutable, and they do encourage quite a lot from pretty much everyone. Uh, <laughs> the guy's just like, did you know me before? And that's when shit gets mentally bonkers for Geyser, because the master proceeds to not say anything (laughs) (laughs) directly in response to geyser oh you've lost something maybe you're different maybe you're not what you thought you were maybe (laughs) despite not having been introduced to each other the master can ostensibly detect the patterns of everyone's thoughts The Master witnessed the change within Geyser before Geyser did. Mm. The sum part of their experiences, everything that they have to work with, is stuff that has been departed from. Stuff that has gone missing or is otherwise lost. Their only way of trying to communicate that or rationalize that to someone else is to try to frame it in the, the negative space. To encourage thought on what is lacking. What are the questions that remain to be answered? I really wanted to meet the master too, narratively for the campaign. Everyone had a certain directive or like a problem to solve from the master. I noticed like especially a series had a lot of like contact with the master in between worlds. Mm-hmm. Um and guys was just like, I don't know this guy, I'm going <laughs> <laughs> None of us gets it as clearly as Geyser. Like, an alternate title for this episode definitely could have been 
I want you to uncover the truth for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that the master is potent in the world of the lost, but there's still some things that even they can't do. And there's things that they themselves don't know. The master and Geyser had some similar problems or objectives. There's some things that they don't understand that they have questions for, but everything around them isn't giving them those answers. This does play into a little bit with the intended playbook change that yeah. that would be one of the core things linking them together is maybe because we can relate on so many things, right? They're not so different from each other. Maybe you can figure out the truth behind all of this. The master doesn't leave the world of the lost. So they only yeah. get half of the story. In the conversation, we kind of cover, what are you? And Geyser's like, I'm Geyser. <laughs> Very Geyser answer. I knew I couldn't leave it there. You see yeah. Geyser finally like try to push past the very literalism, the one-track-minded, trying to actually think about yourself. <laughs> when the master says, uncover the truth, Geyser's like, I remember all of the stuff and like, let's go of her magic that she attached herself to Jilly. Mechanically, I changed playbooks to the sleuth. I figured the sleuth was the most realistic change considering her arc so far. We also have to talk about what changed visually with Geyser. In Geyser's backstory, she's had this connection with Jilly. When Jilly is weak, Geyser's strong. When, when Jilly is strong, Geyser's weak. In letting go of that, all of the energy that was kind of going to Jilly or just disappearing from Geyser kind of returned. And I just represented that with a bunch of smirkles, like coming, going into Geyser. She kind of unscrungles herself. She gets taller. Her afro's no longer misshapen. You know, her teeth are no longer throwing gang signs. Her clothes are well-made versus tattered. She gains a couple inches in height, you know, so you see this person literally grow. I lose the rainbow aesthetic and get like a pastel cotton candy type of aesthetic. So right now she's lavender and powder blue. That's the only re remnant. Geyser had a powder blue collar. That collar gets lighter. But I picked those as opposed to rainbow to kind of represent a narrowing in focus. We are going to see a lot less of the chaos that people are accustomed to going forward. A lot more efficiency, a lot more reasonableness. I even started talking <laughs> completely different, which wasn't planned, by the way. The voice that I was using for Geyser happened randomly, too. <laughs> this voice that I'm using now is actually a little bit closer to what I originally intended for her. Yeah. But the way I was playing her didn't fit <laughs> what I was saying. Ended up changing like her talking style to clipped sentences, run-ons, rambling all over the place. And now it's more like calm, collected. I also appreciate the choice of like a pastel color scheme here because it's softer. And I feel like this guys are going forward is going to be a lot gentler than the one we knew in the past. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see <if> <laughs> like, like socially. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sleepy time, Geyser. But watch out. There might be a chainsaw or two. You never know. <laughs> I still think that Geyser won't hesitate if the need arises, but definitely seems a lot more focused. Geyser has questions. 
and recognizes things that like this should be weird like this is weird this should be weird to all of us why isn't this why isn't everyone else weirded out by this this i think will allow guys to sort of leverage that perception in Mm -hmm. to the fullest capacity to like truly hit home to what's the truth behind these questions a lot of our gameplay has been spent doing for a lot of our party members they're doing the like big brain shit unsaid so for me it's a totally different experience because I don't quite have the grasp on all those skills yet. I'm grasping the threads now. It's starting to weave together for me. (laughs) But everybody else, it's like, especially Alex, especially Sammy. (laughs) (laughs) Machinations. The the experience in game is do, 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 do. But then I talk to them afterwards and it's like, oh yeah, this means this and this represents this and this is connected to this. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get all of this? It genuinely feels like that to me in game and now I get to express it literally. I'm going to bring the big brain shit into the game. Hell yeah. <laughs> we get to see that efficient side of Geyser very quickly, not just in the speech patterns, but she's like, all right, we got to get back on task. Don't spend time figuring out what's going on with me. The master is like, well, fuck you. I set up all this blitz ball. <laughs> you guys didn't even stick around long enough to have the cake. <laughs> Although you probably should not eat things in the world. <laughs> Play eating something in Hades. You just don't come back from it. cannot stress that enough. I fucking love this like short section here because Tao's happy rebirthday trying to be cute because we're <laughs> at a birthday party and they just figured some shit out. And then Smug's like, that ain't a rebirth. <laughs> Referencing some Final Fantasy thing, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's worse than that. I don't like how guys are just like, that really hurt. And Asiri's just like, well, yeah, letting go does hurt and I'm proud of you. And like, I didn't even think about it. That just kind of came out. <laughs> What I was referencing was literally Geyser's constant state of being. Geyser was always in pain. (laughs) Her weak form is due to self-imposed, like, parasitism. Jilly is, like, super strong now, and she's somehow ghost-stealing all of Geyser's energy. And so now she's, like, scrungly and literally afflicted and all that stuff. When she releases that and all of the energy comes back to her, it's a relief. All of this time, I was hurting. (laughs) It was kind of emotionally painful to do that verbal back and forth with the master and finally realize all that stuff and like go through all of this journey and be freaked out by random stuff. But it was a literal physical reaction. Like, guys, there's like, that hurt. I'm glad that shit's over. everyone's being encouraging and guys are like this shit's not about me y'all let's move on (laughs) like i don't know if like the full like intention was there but that is actually pretty heavy for talking about mentality and some of the themes surrounding guys are the self-imposed feedback loop with negative emotions and Mm -hmm. guys are being able to finally step out of that so that like no one else is affected by that same loop of negative emotions geyser herself is not in pain anymore is this kind of profound yeah but don't think about it too deeply yeah <laughs> we have the governance to beat <laughs> there's so much more going on part of that was me freaking out 
because I don't like attention on me. Like <laughs> <laughs> when it became everyone's like, oh, guys, you did a good thing. I'm like, do something else. <laughs> And something else is the master being mad that we haven't brought them their brain and asking them questions yet again. And also, <laughs> it's all question mark. Geyser does go right into asking questions of the master because in Geyser's mind, the master must know why the governance is doing this. The governance came after Geyser's magic and the master also showed Geyser Jilly. So the master must know something about Geyser pre-campaign. You know, that's kind of the logic there. The master's like, I've never had a thought in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very much in character. This also leads us down when we get into the Blitzball, Aftertalk, Tau, trying to hone in on why the last portal is burnt out and thinks it might be the governance protecting some sort of world and so i was like well that could still be here like they could still be traveling through here if that's a similar world to both yours and this one that's making connections with all these other worlds yeah and i don't think that's a bad assumption to make so i think tau is at least on a good train of thought i can't say if that's the right train of thought geyser also at this point thinks that the governance and traveling through the world of the lost I don't think the governance could go anywhere we can't go right now. I feel like they may be trying to make a bigger play at what they can do than what is actually in reality. My thought is that it's the configuration, but we'll get to that when yeah. we talk about Aura and Tao later. Part of the, the Blitzball scene is a Siri being forced to hang out with everyone else, stirring up the arena. Teddy plays along as well. Smog takes a moment to talk to them, make sure they're still ready to leave, and make sure that they're leaving when they want to. Yeah, setting up a planned exit to go be with Susie once, once the <laughs> core from the World of the Lost is connected. Baby, I love how caring Teddy is. Teddy's a little care bearer. Yeah. <laughs> Gives good hugs. Uh, there was also a very cute hug in <laughs> all of that. The two stuffed animals are hugging. <laughs> <laughs> I, well. Smog does have some memories of back on their own world of incidentally being a stuffed animal of sorts. So. <laughs> Prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled. After Smog sets Valentine's expectations in place, Geyser gets back into Sequence Charter and immediately seeks out the captain, just confuses some guards, and then gives up on that, and then goes to the marine bio lab to speak to Sierra again. I apologize to Sierra for being a right pain in his ass this entire time. That's another like full circle moment for Geyser. I literally tried to eat this guy. <laughs> this is true. You almost chomped his head. Yeah, I was kind of a bitch to you, dude. I'm sorry. You don't have to expect that from me anymore. And then Sierra's like, Oh, I've noticed that you've been helping people and doing nice things and being kind. And Geyser's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so sweet of Sierra, though, like noticing the change before it was big. And now that it's big, giving you those words of affirmation. That's wonderful. I'm glad that I got the chance to at least mention that because I don't know if it was like a big turning point per se. I feel like it was kind of just as time progressed. As Geyser learned more about this is how 
humans expect things to go. She started to show more consideration for others. Geyser's actions have had a lot more thought put into them in terms of others' well-being than they might have had previously. <laughs> but it wasn't like a, an instant thing. It was like it was enough for like people to actually take notice of. I kind of wanted to mention also in the conversation, like the, the specific things. Geyser wouldn't have had the presence of mind to like explain to Sierra beforehand. She might have just apologized and left on, but I felt like it was important to say I was missing a part of myself before. I was not all there. You don't have to worry about me like that anymore. When and if that sinks in with Sierra remains to be seen, but I think it will. Probably. He's seen a lot. <laughs> Pony and Smog have a brief conversation about what Pony wants to do, because this Smog is just like, I'm going to hang out, but I can help do whatever you want to do, Pony. And Pony is still really fixated on this conversation with Glory Mane, especially now that she's just gotten at least tips on how to start this translation magic. Yeah, Pony starts considering going to the World Travel Labs, get back to the World of Emotion. Smog's like, well, I can just send you right back to where you were. And uh, pops up another dark portal to send her on her way. Yeah, so I think as the rest of this is happening, Pony's literally back in the world of motion. She's going to be there for, I guess, a little while, actually, before everyone else joins in. And Smog and Tab will be there, which is interesting. True. (laughs) The other versions, the connected versions. The shenanigans. The shenanigans. That's their duo name, the shenanigans. I love that. That's cute. (laughs) Good Irish band name. You're right. (laughs) So we'll catch up with Pony next time, but Tao has a mission of their own. They're back in the World Travel Lab where they were working previously. They need to go check in with Aura and run that theory that they've kind of cooked up with Smog earlier with the World Travel Expert. Tao and Aura did like a little bit of like investigative forensics together to try to figure out some stuff about how these worlds are working. I am obsessed with the short bit of eavesdropping Tao does before speaking to Aura. It just hears Aura working on a piece of machinery, goggles on face, muttering, hurt her. Ugh. <laughs> yes. yes! I also love the obsession with like getting something out of this, like working on this governance communications tech so that we can have world communications, because this had to be for something. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to discover that this asshole that you were bringing around with you was communicating to the rest of the governance somehow and not at least get something profound out of it to (laughs) improve things for the better. I also get the sense that they're a little jealous they didn't get to it first. Yes, they seem to have tech that outclasses what humanity is capable of right now. And Aura is not very comfortable with that. Terra's not comfortable with that either. I love that with time travel in play, though, like, Aura could have been the person to discover this, and this is a paradox. It's always possible. Fucking time travel. (laughs) (laughs) This path of questioning eventually leads Aura and Tao to review the footage from the World of the Lost that Smog took, because they're trying to figure out how do these meta-worlds that seem to be in connection with other worlds inherently work? Where are people physically going when they are in a mental space? This is something that we've seen time and time again. The world of the lost is a weird place. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to operate by completely the same rules as some of the other worlds do. 
it's not actually a place per se. It shouldn't be, but it is a place that you can walk around in all the same. It's an abstraction that you're interpreting as a place because that's the only way your brain can handle it. Yeah, interpretation, I think, is a very good term for it. You're perceiving. <laughs> you're, you're trying to comprehend something that should not exist. And the configuration really feels like the thing putting these together because it's what pops up when we try to go back to our home worlds. That's why Aura hones in on the closeness between that and the like weird multicolor static. And it's something that can connect all of these different worlds we've been to together. So it just makes the most sense to me. The configuration is definitely a place that you all haven't spent a huge amount of time in. There's this otherness about it that this externality about it that seems to encapsulate a lot of what you're seeing. I'm kind of okay with us not spending a ton of time there. At least right now, it's so easily influenced by our own machinations. And also, uh, according to Thanos, there's some fucked up shit in there that even he doesn't know about. So I'm not too keen on seeing that just yet. But it's a place that's directly connected to us. But as of right now, it doesn't feel like it's meant for us. I also don't think it's coincidence that shit gets bad in the configuration the second the governance appears. <laughs> um, and then the governance appears again and we start connecting those dots. <laughs> hmm. We connected them. <laughs> Connections are very important in this game. So. Uh, yeah. That seems to be a running theme. I love how all of this is because Smog prophesied. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alexander did. Smog prophesied, and then Geyser had unintended consequences. <laughs> and now we're holding someone captive and trying to figure out their technology and the ramifications. It's also like the collaborative storytelling aspect really coming out because I think we each are like understanding these different story beats that other people want to hit on and like popping off different moves to give opportunities for those things to keep moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly am enjoying how especially these recent parts are coming together. So they don't quite hit what might be going on in the end. The configuration is mentioned by name, but it's not quite closely tied yet. And they agree to keep looking into it. Meanwhile, Siri wants to head out to find the captain. Yeah, because that was where they were heading to anyway. They Shady dipped on powder a little bit. They feel bad about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt it was important for the whole party to be there for Geyser. So Powder, when she wakes up, long gone. It's probably been several hours. So she's like, all right, well, maybe the next person I see, maybe everyone's still at the captain. If not, they can figure out where everyone else is for me. Not an issue. But in the process uh, to getting back to the Paradigm, we bump into our old friend Thompson. <laughs> oh yeah, a little snippet. A little snippet with Thompson. And Thompson really didn't have much to say to a Siri. At least nothing that she didn't already know. I kind of like this because it gave a Siri a moment of grounding. Everything's just been so high octane for the last several sessions. That's just like, oh yeah, there's just like normal ass people slash robots around here. Okay, then that, that gives me more basis for what I'm looking to protect and do. That really guided my questions, attempting to get information out of Thompson, even though I knew it was going to be somewhat futile. Thompson's a little limited, kind of being a little robot. Anything that they do is kind of within the confines of their programming. It also serves as kind of a reminder that 
humanity's still continuing. They don't stop when the action stops. Everyone is still just trying to get by <laughs> in the mm. background, trying to put things back together. Everyone is right now on a little uncertain terms because of all the recent chaos, but the world is still moving uh, behind the scenes. That's what really framed my questioning going into the next scene, because after saying goodbye to Thompson, the series heads off to see the captain. The captain isn't at their office. They're in some sort of hangar rallying the troops. And once Tara gets a break from that, they have like a very in-depth conversation. I'm trying to figure out why Asiri just like info dumps onto Tara here. And it's because I think Asiri sees something in Tara that she hasn't quite materialized yet. She also views it as like a safe place to talk about these things because as a figure of authority on this planet, she feels some sort of a kindred spirit there because of their previous conversation hinting at what Tara has done before. Mm -hmm. We're also finally able to really address what Tara's level of understanding for what Isari had become was. Of course, Tara didn't have all of the answers. She doesn't have cosmic knowledge. <laughs> Unfortunately. She does know what it's like to receive those drastic revelations. And through that, she's able to come to a level of acceptance, or at least coherence around being presented with this new and abstract information. Yeah, and I like how Tara tries to be like, well, the Abyss is kind of weird for us as a concept. And the series like, well, that makes sense, because I'm kind of weird as an existence. <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to think about it that hard. I really wanted to express in this moment that the series really struggling with her place in the party and in this process. A part of that is feeding into the fact that she's not as cosmically connected as she should be, and she knows she should be. And that's a little bit of an identity crisis. It's making it hard for her to interact with other people right now. And I think she just needed somebody to talk to about that. And nobody else seemed better than Tara. It's such an interesting contrast to how most of the party views Tara. Because Pony, I think, also has Tara as a confidant. But it's yeah. not in the same way at all. It's not an existential. They might not be quite the same power level or whatever, but they feel more like they're training together. Whereas this is more an emotional bond between the two of them. Yeah. Siri might be my most emotional character that I've, I've come up with because everything she does is based on the feeling in that moment. And right now she can't process it, and that's a problem. I don't know how to play unemotional characters. <laughs> <laughs> See, I usually play characters that repress their emotions so hard that it's <laughs> a problem. So this has been a nice change of pace for me, but also equally frustrating because sometimes you can't yell at somebody, you can't just cry at something, like you still have to keep going. When the series alone in the void of the ocean, she can do whatever she wants because she's not going to bother anybody. But here, where there's everyone everywhere and everything's happening all the time, it's a little overwhelming. The horrifying ordeal of being known and <laughs> the rippling effects of your actions on everything else. Is a part of that conversation connecting the characters to the world itself this entire campaign we've played pretty much as outsiders this conversation in particular cements a series in like the background story of this world at least a series from earth and humanity was from earth and all of that would be connected in some way 
something a Siri didn't really want to talk about, but in this position, she's like, I've already made some choices that I've never done before. So since we're breaking the mold, we might as well go all the way into it. And she reveals a lot more than she normally would to a typical mortal. It works because how Tara was introduced to the party as from Powder as a prophet, mm-hmm. I have many thoughts regarding that going forward. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this has been rattling in my skull for a little bit now. It drastically affects how Asiri interprets things that Tara does in particular. It's just so funny we keep making these parallels because Smog is so reserved with how he speaks to Tara. And it, like I think it ends up being a very similar link the two of them have. They're probably both heart links. But he's worried that he taints this important decision maker by giving them too much information, whereas the series is now, like, really sharing. Yeah, because for her, information is life or death, and what you know can save your life as easily as it could kill you. It's not a question of, is this knowledge tainting? Because inherently her understanding of it can't be. It's more of, is this the time to give it to you, and am I changing things too much by giving it to you? There's some things I'm thinking about, which is why... The next move was to heal Terra, but also something else <laughs> in the typical Asiri mucus slime fashion. But I framed this as sort of an anointing. She slimes her forehead. So we'll see where this goes. <laughs> you framed it as a type of magic that had healing properties and would also open something. And you left it to my discretion for a background change that would be the result of that. We'll have to see how that plays out. The Rammies. The Rammies, bro. Uh, I'm just very intrigued by a series dynamic with Terra because it's one of the first people she made a promise to in the game. And now that Terra's promised her back some stuff and they, they keep making things back and forth, I think they're very intertwined, especially in the context of the governance and Earth. The two of them have definitely promised a lot to each other. It's like a comradeship versus just a flat out friendship. Yeah. We walk this path together. You never <laughs> understand a warrior's bond. <laughs> a series turns to leave to catch up with the rest of the party, and I like Tara's one last word in here, which is "stick with your fellow travelers; you're unstoppable with them." And that feels very foreboding. <laughs> I would like to add a little bit of context as well for this. The reason why Tara is in the hangar on the paradigm and was talking to quite a large number of assembled soldiers is that one of the things that we all made arrangements for while you all were in the captain's quarters earlier is that the governance is acting in these different worlds. So they're sending in defenses to go into each of these worlds to try to protect the people in there in case the governance rears their heads at any different point because they can't just keep an eye on everything all the time. This was literally Terra enacting that decision, that change. A lot on Tara's mind is this is probably not the end of the interference that you'll receive, especially from the governance. They leave off with saying to just make sure that you all have each other's backs because you all took down a governance harvestman with just like the five slash six of you. Actually, Pony didn't even have to help with that. (laughs) You all just worked together that well. So that was primarily the point of saying as much. What would y'all done differently? This was a really great session for character building, but there was also a lot of party splits and different directions. 
if I had some way of keeping a better track of making things like move a little bit more smoothly or maybe grouping some things together so that people would be at least in just pairs or I probably would have done so. I feel like we did lose out on potential time of going back into the world, continuing your further ends, because I don't think this was meant to take super long. Yeah, if I could have done it differently, it would have streamlined the process somehow. I think it's a little weird that you feel that way, because I felt it was efficient. Like, I thought we were getting stuff done, like, all this stuff. So I guess it's perspective. That's true. My perspective might be limited. No, no, I'm I'm saying, like, from my perspective, there wasn't a vacuum of content or interaction. I feel like it was very heavy all (laughs) the time. Like, everything was like layers and meanings and you know (laughs) i personally if i had not freaked out we could have taken a moment really explore for a little bit geyser's like new relationships with everybody in the party Mm -hmm. but i'm not upset at how it turned out i just wish i hadn't freaked out and it wasn't and in well don't pay attention to me anymore (laughs) (laughs) I did that with Smog too, but not not as like directly in character. I was like, well, let's keep working and we'll find those dynamics as we keep going. And yeah. there was definitely pushback to that in character. But for the most part, I was like, we'll figure out what this means as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm glad I went into the World of the Lost to see everything going on with Geyser because I do feel like that was super important. So I don't regret that. But on the other hand, I'm like... I probably should have stayed out of the world of the lost so I could get some other shit done because that would have probably afforded me an opportunity to talk to Avatar Smog because that sorely needs to happen and that was a ripe opportunity. And plus there's some other things that maybe we could have sped along and got back to the world of motion faster if we didn't spend so much time in the world of the lost. So that that's just kind of where I am. I feel like I could have been more utilitarian maybe outside of it. I'm pretty much good. I kind of wish that we got back to the world of motion, but every scene I was in, I got to advance plots that I care about and keep those words moving. So I'm happy. Let's get into the resolution phase, the segment of the show where we each get to say something about the game with no responses. What is your final say on this session, Daniel? Oh my god, you guys are so close to doing a thing, and you're like, uh, you're staring it right in the face. Uh, just do the thing. I can't say what it is. I don't have any social media, so you can find me at the birthday party. I am making a balloon animal, and it's for you. <laughs> and for you, Dee? All I have to say is finally. You can find me on Twitter or X at BacksliderD. I'm on Blue Sky now. Same handle. My PSN is I had a cow LOL. Same as my Instagram. We can exchange friend codes and play games together for Switch. I mentioned last time a music video by Victoria Monet for On My Mama which is fantastic, but her album's out now. So check out Jaguar 2. If you like R&B, you'll like this album. What about you, Alex? Pony lamented not making progress on finding the armor. And I think Smog will have a solution to that next time. You can find me on Blue Sky at Shining Crobat. This week, I recommend The Aces. They are an indie pop group 
They have lots of love songs that range from like happy to sad, lament, longing, long-term relationships. And each album, their songs just get gayer. I will link a music video from their most recent album. Check it out. And for myself, oh, Captain, my Captain. You can find me in the depths of the bazaar in that smoke-filled tent, dealing out fortunes most foul. This has been Resolve, an afterplay show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP. Except Instagram, which is at Resolve Afterplay. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. You can buy the game we're playing, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined, from its creator, Riley Hopkins at linksmithgames.com. All links will be included in the episode description. Thank you again for listening. We end our turn here, so now it's your turn. Tell us what's happening in your game.